Hello, humans. We are the Why You Are Scrolling podcast, and here we talk about all forms of entertainment, from small screens to tall screens, written media to social media, and sometimes we sprinkle our own experiences in between. So let's begin with an introduction. I'm one of your hostesses. My name is Tamaya. I am joined by my lovely co-host today. Please introduce yourself. Hello, hello. This is Esther. Esther. Yeah. And we are back today. We are doing our popcorn segment. And yes, I said popcorn, popcorn for the people of pop POC corn for the people of color, where we review films made by, produced by, directed by, written by, starring, you guessed it, people of color. So while you were scrolling, we were watching Sorry to Bother You interesting film but before we get into the synopsis let me warn you as always spoilers this film is in our paths now but that does not mean it's in yours so please be warned spoilers are coming so uh just for a quick synopsis sorry to bother you is a film um regarding in an or happening basically in an alternate present day version of oakland Telemarketer Cassius Green discovers a magical key to professional success, propelling him into a universe of greed. And let me add this to the synopsis. Some funky stuff happens towards the end. So. <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Do you have anything for our culture corner before we get into questions? Yes, indeed. Um... So for this culture corner, I wanted to talk briefly about like code switching, especially in the Black American sort of like an experience. And so what is code switching? Code switching is the ability to adapt one's speech and behavior to match social context of the more um, dominant uh, culture around you. And for Black Americans, that dominant culture is like, you know, kind of Anglo-Saxon, white America. <laughs> um, and it's... She ain't and, lying. And the reason why we, you know, as Black Americans, and just I think like people who are not part of the dominant culture, either um, if you, you know, racially, sexual orientation wise, gender wise, all these things, like why you would code switch is as a form of self-preservation um, and a way to navigate the complex social dynamics, right? Um, mm-hmm. Of like race and class. Mm-hmm. So particularly for Black Americans, um, you know, uh, as this uh, movie illustrates, is that like, you know, you have what we call like the white voice, which is like your your professional, acceptable way of speaking, mm-hmm. um, way of like, you know, basically like poli- policing your tone, your 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 just like bodily behaviors, usually around like your hands, your face, you know, kind of that to appease and appeal to white definitions of what is to be professional and well-spoken and all of those things. Um, and it's really in like the professional realm why coaching is so crucial for Black Americans is that Absolutely. you know there's so many microaggressions that um, we face and and just again like it's it's a gatekeep and that you know a lot of times 
if you don't adhere to these uh just like social uh structures you don't get you don't advance professionally right like you you're not seen, like able to do the job even though your job might not have to do might not have anything to do with like the way that you speak um and so um yeah it's it's just this this thing that we i think just subconsciously just do right like i don't think mm -hmm. anybody ever told me hey you need to code switch <laughs> the same thing and just like copying our parents as toddlers and we grow older is like something that's an innate thing it didn't have to be taught but it yeah. was an assumed understanding that this is what you need to do to survive and acclimate in the culture or community that you're in exactly and so yeah that just wanted to bring awareness to like you know close switching what it is and it's sort of like you no know, seen as a survival tool um and with that i will go back to the questions so first i wanted to briefly talk about why did we choose this movie um mm -hmm. right and the reason is because it is very blackity black blackity <laughs> black. out there you know it's it's written and yes. directed by boots rally who is like known you know beyond being a creative his his creativity and his art is rooted in social activism mm -hmm. so again like uh sorry to bother you was the first commercial um just media that he did beyond like singing which is he's part of a singing group um was like the first uh commercial work that he did and then recently he did um this uh series called I'm a Virgo which is available on Amazon Prime and again it's he very much utilized like um it's definitely surrealism um but like very dystopian surrealism uh -huh. You know, that definitely speaks to the Black experience in America. Um, I'd be remiss to not say he looks like Cat Williams without a perm. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> and the movie stars, you know, the the the, the top uh, uh, artists are Lakeith Stanfield, Tisa Thompson, Jermaine Fowler, Omari Hardwick, Terry Crews, Danny Glover, Stephen Yoon, I hope I'm saying his last name right, and Army Harmer, among others. But yes, so with that, wanted to get your sense, uh, Maya, my love, uh, your previews. What were your expectations of the film? What have you heard before viewing it? I... I knew it was a blackity black film. I knew it was about to put our business out there in terms of code switching. <laughs> Cause the preview was one you could not forget. Um, when that when that commercial came up out of in the world and he put on this crazy voice <laughs> that he was obviously mouthing. I think Danny Glover was with him in the commercial that just went worldwide as he was being thrust into these different worlds of his telemarketing job. Like it took this kind of animated form where every time he called someone, he ended up with his desk in that space with the person he was calling, like he was in their world. 
And I mean, in their world while they're eating, in their world while they're in their homes, in their world while they're being intimate um, in particular. And that that preview let me know this is a wild film. Wild. One, this is an exposing film. <laughs> exposing the, the, you know, intricacies as Esther just pointed out of black culture as we survive through our everyday lives and the white communities we are subject to. And outside of that, I really just expected a film about just how quite annoying telemarketing is from the inside out and what you got to do to just survive out here. Because almost everybody, if you haven't been offered a telemarketing job, you've taken one. <laughs> in one form or another, a salesperson who has to cold call folk to come in. That's the job that's literally always available. Like retail, you can always find a job in this field. So I kind of just thought it was about that. We saw also in the commercial that he lived in a garage with his girlfriend. So he wasn't, you know, balling. It was a struggle fest and he was doing what he could to survive it. So that's the extinct extent of what I thought was going to come from this film in terms of expectations. I'll leave it there. What about you, Esther? So I think at this point, it's like a completely overdone joke. Mm. But uh, I watched this film while flying. <laughs> because I mean, it came out, when did it come out? In 2018. I can't believe it was 2018. The I way watched... time is doing a thing right now, I cannot believe. I remember I when time felt like it was moving much slower. Just, that's another story of talk. Go ahead, carry right. on. <laughs> right. And so I watched this, I want to say, um, definitely either earlier this year mm -hmm. or like late last year, 2022. And like you, right? I came into this expecting it to be like just about the telemarketing world and what you need to do to like survive that, but in a very, you know, kind of comedy and um, you know, lighthearted way. Mm -hmm. And um, what I got was, yeah, <laughs> not in a bad way, but like I said, like earlier, right? Um, with just like Boots Riley, he makes this sort of art. Like he kind of gets you in like relatively like um, a familiar environment, mm -hmm. right? And then he just like completely flipped the script on you and just like, just uh, with his, you know, just like writing, just like paints this like very dystopian world. Like, it's still, you know, like with this film, like it was very bright, right? Lots of colors and all of yeah. that. Like it was a very bright, you know, just like joyful. Mm -hmm. Again, like the color schemes, right? It's really with um with Tessa Thompson's character of Detroit, mm -hmm. like just extremely, just like fashionable and just like hip. And then the 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 the, the topic at hands and the themes are so dark. <laughs> And you're like, am I supposed to laugh at this? My that part. Laughing at like, this, this supposed to be like, and it uh, reminded me so much of like 
They clone Tyrone. They clone Tyrone. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thank That's you. Thank you. The whole time I was like, if this ain't the same. I have to look it up. Like, who are the directors? Who are the the leads of this? Right, and that's why, like, when we the did tones like, on are so similar. They are so yeah, when, similar. That's why, for sure, like when we did the clone time, when I for sure thought that Boots Riley was involved. My gosh! <laughs> like, could be sister films. Could be part one and two. Yes, right. Um, and so kind of moving right along to what was the inciting incident for you, um. And why did you know kind of make you feel? How did it make you feel? We always gotta see if we can agree on the inciting incident. I would say the inciting incident I say is when he really got down packed that white voice, as he called it. Well, yes, right. I think definitely like once I mean the inciting incident for me, like literally is that scene where Danny Glover is like, Hey, if you really want to like oh. get to that, you know, just secret level. Yeah, like you have, you have to work on your white voice. Like, look, listen to me and right. how I'm doing it, you know? Right. And again, I wanted to like bring up like just why I like, you know, brought up code switching is because, right, like just having that white voice obviously is not the thing that made uh, Cassius successful, right? Like he was good at this, but he had like, there was no way for him to advance as himself. Mm without basically not just adopting but completely converting mm -hmm. to that white persona yeah agreed i would say it's between that danny glover moment when he taught him about the white voice and that toast that he did with all his friends in the club in which like the music kind of stopped like the close-up was on him and he first did that voice to everybody and everybody was looking around like, what the hell is up with him? Mm -hmm. And it was like the moment he accepted that this is what I'm going to do to get mm -hmm. to where I need to go and do what get and, and get what I want. And everybody was like freaked out by it. And it was like such a moment of like transformation out of nowhere. So I think, definitely think that was the exciting incident. I think we could agree on that. Yes. And you're right. It's like, it changed it changed them. Mm. And I feel like, like if, if, if you get like too lost in the sauce, as they say, right? You you, mm -hmm. you just, it's really hard to reel back, to like yeah. come back to yourself. Yeah. And, and every moment um, he made, like continued that voice, even when he was just with his girl. And she's like, yo, you need to learn how to separate. And he could even tell right. he was doing it. Yeah, I mean, this, this, I know like we, we won't be able within this podcast to really discuss all the various themes and, and like just like, you know, topics and all of that that this film brings up because it brings up a whole lot, right? From again, just them living in a garage because that's all they could afford in this like world. Mm -hmm. And that's still like, you know, was by the grace of like his uncle. And his uncle was still very much squeezed for money and was about to evict him, right? To mm -hmm. uh, Detroit's art. And that just, again, like how she gets on him and kind of is like very much stylish feminism, but like her her artwork in a, in a perverse way does cater to the white gaze, you know? Mm. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, like, 
Yeah. <laughs> and like this. The, this the, fucking the, film. So I'm sorry, I'm trying yeah, to. No, it's like, like the, the power of unis, un, like unions and how, again, like decade by decade, we continue to see how big corporations uh, mm. like know the power of the people coming together and asking, you know, wanting to create a union for like to protect themselves and how the state is always behind big corporations and wanting to protect them. Right. You know, so it's it's just, it's just you can it's a cluster. And then how we see from the beginning, obviously his uncle is like fearful of getting his stuff taken away. So that's like he's really kind of like just ready to accept defeat. His girlfriend seems to be one literally happy with where they are, whatever they're doing, as long as they're together and being themselves wholly. And then we also see this 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 fourth character outside of Cassius himself. I feel like, and outside of his friends, this other main character, which happens to be the worry-free corporation, that at first we're like, what is this thing? You know, you see the weird commercials, mm -hmm. outlandish commercials, outlandish everything, very much like they clone Tyrone, that there's something that is so big and like so... Like uh, everywhere, like just like it's, it, like, it, like, it, like eclipses like everything, like this conglomerate like like that is, or and like everything, or yes, that's know? like got all these different companies and it's taken over and is really in control of it all. Yes, it's so big it can't be stopped. Amazon is so large, yes. and, like, and Walmart, Walmart, <laughs> and it owns all these little pockets of things. And it's like, what is this at first? It seems like just some thrown out stuff, silly that mm -hmm. they just play every once in a while. And then slowly but surely, you realize that this is a company that apparently is like um, constantly being put out there in the news because of proposed uh, thoughts of slave labor um, that they're being accused of with everybody. Even the uncle, as he's ready, you know, he's going to get his house reported, he's defeated. He considers going to worry free because at least they feed him and give him a cot, which is basically slave labor, <laughs> like. Yeah, everybody seems to be funneled into this. The more they can't control can, and and pay for their own rent, their own ways of living, everything. It's like they're funneling all these people who are desperate for a method of survival into this corporation on the low, in which they're signing these contracts or what have you for essentially slave labor in America. So that's like seems like the side thing that becomes the main character as we move on. <laughs> Yes, it's like kind of like that looming again. I'm not a I'm not the cinephile here, but like kind of like that looming just character. Don't like you know we say that sex in the city. The mm -hmm. city is like the fifth or whatever you know mm -hmm. extra character. Mm -hmm. Like worry free, it's its own character. Like it's yes. just like <laughs> everything comes goes back to it. <laughs> yes, and it's insane what's happening here. But then it's At like the same time. I think for it, me, it's like it's. Mm -hmm. It's insane because I'm like, this is how what far, it's not that right far now. from the truth. Yeah, That's like this why is you're alive right now. You know, like if people cannot afford rent, people cannot afford to live, like just just you know, you have like it's again so dystopian that you have like so many ads and stuff and stuff for like, oh, like buy now, pay later companies, mm -hmm. you know? And and um just oh, like become uh a driver for doordash mm -hmm. and like hostile culture and you know mm -hmm. just all this and it's like i'm hot like i need a second job and a third job yeah because my primary job 
does not feed me. Yes. You know? Yes. And then, and then we're and then we're all addicted to these insanely toxic television reality television oh, shows yes. and game shows. And it's basically just everything that's happening now on crack. That is yes. what the clone Tyrone and Sorry to Bother You like exposes. Yes. It's all these things that are like, this is so crazy and outlandish. We would never allow this, but won't we? Don't mm -hmm. follow the biggest TV shows in which a fight occurs. We're all stuck to the TV waiting for the reunion to see who's going to smack who. How far yep. is that away from the TV show in this show called I Got the Shit Beat Out of Me? Like, it's mm -hmm. so crazy and terrible. Just truly terrible. Terrible. And it's yeah, exhausting. Like <laughs> and like, well, let me see. What's the next question? Because I don't want to. Yeah, we also have to like, so I know we, we did um, spoiler alerts. At the beginning of this, but I definitely want to do a bit of a trigger warning for just of this film because it just kind of like completely puts you in like a hopeless state. Like, and it's weird. Oh and my it's gosh, I was just about to say it. Oh my gosh, Esther, 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 Esther. I was just about to say that. Screw it. We're getting, we're here. We're here now. We're here now. What was the question after inciting incident? Was it climax or impact? Yeah. What is the? What, how would you consider the protagonist antagonist? Did the climax deliver? We would have to skip that to get to impact because impact. I think okay. To talk about. Okay. Yeah. What was the film's impact? How did it make you feel? Yeah. Yeah. We'll get that. And we'll come back to the other part. Mm -hmm. Impactful. Yes. It made me feel completely <laughs> hopeless. That's why I literally stopped myself. Like, let me hush because the questions. Hopeless. Hold on, love. Sorry, my, my toddler's trying to get in. Hopeless. Hopeless. And it was funny because I immediately felt that hopeless feeling when you see all of this and you realize how, rea how real it is compared to the world and life you're living at this moment, how we're swimming in debt, you know, all these different things. And then at that very moment of hopelessness, here comes this scene, almost as if the writer-director, almost as if Boots, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Boots Riley. Almost yeah. as if he knew that mm -hmm. he had put us in this state has yep. the actor, let me make sure I don't get his name wrong, like my he? boy from Walking Dead. Um, oh, Steve, Steven Yeun. Steven Yeun, yes. Yeah. He has him come and say, it's it's basically the hopelessness. Like once people realized, because I think they were like, why aren't people reacting to this or what happened? Mm -hmm. He's like, once people see a problem that's bigger than themselves <laughs> and they realize there's no, they don't feel like there's any way that they can control it, they get used to the problem. And it was mm. like, it was like a, how dare you? How dare you attack me in this yeah, like, way? How dare you be like self-aware, okay? Like, how dare you? And also, because I forgot about this scene, but like, I'm going to say too, that like, again, I, I honestly like think of, in terms of like writer and director, like Boots just has like this thing about him that's just amazing. Because as I said in the beginning, this movie in terms of cinematography is bright. It is colorful it is like the, yeah. the, the soundtrack For some reason, they like to go back from they close that role to this they kind of like to touch on the 70s 80s yeah. level of style and stuff right and like again like the, the soundtrack is you know again it's like if you if you just kind of if you like if somebody has this movie playing right and you're not paying attention you're just kind of passing across the room you'll think oh ha 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 like this is this is a you know again like a colorful nothing movie just from like the 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 the, the steals. And then when you actually but as you actually are an active watcher, it it it's just, you know, for a moment I'm like, 
you know, again, I, I'm 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 far away from like somebody who is into like you know deep conspiracy theories. I kind of you know entertain like the silly ones. Um, but at some point, I'm like, are they poisoning our food? Maybe they oh are. Oh my god! Oh my god. Yes. Like, are, you know, like just like are we eventually like you know as the wealth gap increases second by second second by all second. these things you know are just like stifling you yeah like i don't know man like <laughs> will we get to a plate we'll get to a point where like we can live i don't know it's so hopeless <laughs> it's so hopeless and it's so frustrating this is like like, it's like, you know, you need to fight, you know, you need to stay up on it. You know, you need to stay educated and aware, so much, but like, it's so exhausting. What, what I always make this quote and it's so true, but it's not even just for black people anymore. I think James Baldwin said at one point to be conscious and black in America is to be in a constant state of rage. Mm. Well, to be conscious and, and, and poor or broke or middle-class in America <laughs> If you like are conscious and oppressed, if you're conscious and oppressed, <laughs> okay, right? <laughs> because you know, like we haven't really, like you know, spoke about sort of the state of the world, but Ooh. it's like you think because for me, right? I'm like, okay, just to be fully transparent, you know, uh, the Israel and Palestinian conflict, you know, kind of kicked off for lack of a better word early October and I'm like okay uh educating myself talking to people you know kind of like having debates with my partner like all these right. things and then within like a week boom do you know what's happening in like the Democratic Republic of Congo and I'm like okay so that's another one oh actually there's also something happening in Sudan oh okay and then that's like we still have the you know the ukrainian war you know like yeah that's still happening that's still going on i'm like i'm unemployed that's a whole freaking like you know time suck like i have toddlers who are in their twos you know like and don't give a crap about my mental state no how many times i've I've literally (laughs) sat down and laid in my bed and then breathed in and breathed out and was like you know, had to do a little prayer or a, a mindful moment of, I am safe right now. I am safe and warm in a home. And there are people out there whose homes have been destroyed, families killed. Like, like, it literally has to bring myself back because it's such a dark hole I'm sliding into. Mm-hmm. It's so overwhelming and depressing and real and inescapable. <laughs> and films for me have always been my escape. But I also know it's like the battle we all had with like Black Lives Matter, where it was like, I want, like part of me fought to see the images that were put out there, which were gruesome. And part of me was like, protect peace. And it was like, do I protect my peace or do I watch these things? Because if it's me or mine, I want people to be able to see it and be enraged. Or can I be enraged enough without seeing it? How much does it, what, what do they say? How much does it, um um desensitize me to see these kinds of atrocities here in my face and it's like but also if I don't see it people don't believe it and so I don't know (laughs) what's the fix and it's overwhelming 
bringing it back to this film, this film is overwhelming because it showed so much truth and also makes you feel completely trapped, just like the main character, really. Like, what do you want from me? Because at this point, he does become a power caller, which mm -hmm. is like this infamous thing you become in telemarketing. If you're so good at your job, they'll push you up to this next level in which they don't really tell you what you're selling until you get there. So it's all very secretive, hush, hush. Very much like the 1% situation now. Mm -hmm. And once you get up there, once you once he gets up there, he's obviously called traitor, um, all the things, because his friends are, are picketing, his friends are unionizing, trying to get mm -hmm. everybody to get the fair pay, everybody to get a piece of the pie the way it should be. Mm -hmm. But in this wonderful capitalistic, capitalistic society we're in, He's going with the mindset of, do I stay broke? Like I've been broke, living in garage, struggling with everyone around me, or because I'm actually good at something and I've been made to feel important mm -hmm. and worthy, do I take advantage of this level up I get and bring me and mine with me? Which is what almost everyone who quote unquote gets out kind of deals with. Do mm -hmm. I just hoard and enjoy this, this, this success, this wealth that I probably oh, deserve? Survivor guilt. You know, Not, the work yeah. I've done. And then what do I do with it? Am I a person who's going to be a humanitarian? Do I spread the wealth? Am I a person who makes sure me and mine are good? Because who knows what could happen? I could lose this at any moment. So I can't be giving this mm -hmm. out. And it's like this society we live in creates this trap. Mm -hmm. so either you're going to make it or you're going to be like everyone else. You're going to fight for everyone to get equal. Or you're going to just fight for yourself to get, you know, I just saw this podcast and this person said, as long as we're a capitalistic society, as long as this keeps being a country that poses as a fair country with a capitalistic like undertone, we will continue to be crabs in a barrel, basically is what he mm -hmm, said. Mm -hmm. And it's true. Sure, it's the land of the free and everybody's fair, but it's a capitalistic thing, which means everyone, somebody needs to be above on top of others in order for it to work. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's so freaking frustrating and exhausting. And I felt like this film highlighted that. And so it, it even frustrated me then. We're still an impact. It even frustrated me then. Because it was like, here we go. Yet another film in this realm of, I was thinking like Wolf of Wall Street. I was thinking, I was just thinking so many different films I've seen <laughs> where the little guy gets exposed to, well, we're bringing you up to the top floor. We're going to give you this. And he has to basically turn his back on all that he knows and who that he knows or she, because it's this opportunity to be above everyone. And it's either be above everyone or struggling down with everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's a very hard choice to make when you need that health care, that you're able to, you know, heal everybody and, and you're able to save your, your family member's house and all this other stuff. And everyone's calling you a traitor because they weren't the ones picked and plucked. And if they get plucked, will they come back for you or will they then ignore you? You know what I mean? It's insane. And a lot of people at that time, just like they did in this film and just like they've done throughout history, would always cherry pick someone and give them more benefits to make sure that they can break and separate all the people trying to work together to get up to the top. They would take union leaders and bribe them with better jobs and better pay. If you just hush, hush, let this union stuff just go under the rug. You will take care of you. This kind of thing, that really individual mindset and, and ah, 
it just it's it it pisses me off so because it's yeah so for me like the analogy that i that has helped me right is yeah this deconstruction deconstructing this idea of oh we need a seat at the table mm-hmm. and i for the love life of me cannot remember who you know i heard it first from but they were saying how like getting a seat at the table is not good because the table exists and there's there's just so many seats why are we still trying to get to that table we need to dismantle that table destroy the table yeah and and build you know a a place something that is communal where we stadium something like literally for all all can you know be ourselves and bring our talents and do whatever um, it's best for everyone. Politicians are no, there's literally that. It is the table. It's the same as CEO corporations, just like Esther said, states and country, like the 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 states, the governments all kind of leaning towards the big corporations and how everybody's in each other's pocket. Like it's so exhausting. And it's like one all these people who rise up in the ranks political wise to try to make a change, social justice wise to make a change. And when they get up there and in that table or in that room, something else changes. Because no one knows, no one's in the room where it happens. And it's like they never, they never get to get the things they wanted to get done when they were down here with us. Mm-hmm. And it's just so exhausting. Who, who doesn't matter who we put in office? Like it's like, fuck it all. <laughs> it's so sad. And that line in the movie where it just brought me back, because I was literally like, well, F it. What can you do? F it. And here we go, Stephen Jung, like talking about some. People just decide to ignore or work with the problem when they realize they can't fix it. I'm like, you shut up. You get out of my face. You get out of my house. <laughs> out of my mind. Out of my mind. <laughs> that's exactly where I was. Like, well, okay, how do we make this work then? And how else mm-hmm. we supposed to fix it? Unless we destroy everything. Unless we stop this thing. And of course, if anybody even utters the words, well, certain words, that allude to breaking capitalism down to everyone equal equity all that kind of stuff it gets taken down in different forms the system was never broken the system was working exactly as it should um you know it just goes back just regroups when you fight that and tear it down just like slavery just like Jim Crow just like all this other stuff and it's not just for blacks it's always been against poor disenfranchised all that always keep you down hush and 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 it's this and again right like with Cassius and to an extent like Mr. X because we never really hear get his name Mm -hmm. um you know why and if if you're not part of like the black American community when you know black people will sort of say oh like this person is an uncle Tom uh, and, and it's and it's not in a good way when we call somebody absolutely else. not <laughs> and that's because again so many times as Maya you know just brilliantly pointed out the powers that be will pin you know will like choose someone or appoint someone right as like the exception um and bring them closer to whiteness to mm-hmm. those you know uh system like yeah mm-hmm. to the, like, you know like those systemic uh institutions and they're like well you know like why are you guys complaining about you have a tim scott as a senator what are you complaining about you have like 
what was this guy named? The the doctor who was oh, like so, oh oh shush your face don't even Paulson. Right, Doctor. <laughs> and again, it's like, and 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 it's this thing that we do in the black community where we like, I acknowledge, right, that the things that you know, the Tim Scotts and the Ben Carson and the God, that guy in the Supreme Court. Oh, Clarence. Oh, and Clarence Thomas, right? What they've you know done in terms of like you know their schooling and whatever. Yay, happy for you. But it's like just <laughs> again being appointed as like you know, just like the one that got away. Yes, the, the, the better one, yes. the exceptional one. It's not necessarily a good thing because no. what it is is that like you are just a pawn, and no matter how much you try to assimilate to like just again, like, we, I know we keep talking about, you know, they clone Tyrone, but it's like, no matter how much you try to become white, <laughs> they will always find a way to remind you of your place. <laughs> okay. So, you, you will never, because you will never be white. You, you, you'll, you'll never get there. That The whole They'll point is for you to never get there. They'll That's the whole point. Karen and make you dance for it. Yes. You know? The whole point is that. <laughs> is that. Just again, like that's why, like this again, this movie is so brilliant because literally, you know, Cassius, they made him like sing and play and dance for it, right? Yes. That, that party. Yes. It's always, um, and it's always, we're going to be these white oppressive people who are going to use that term and that black terminology and black slang mm -hmm. to really like, you know, try to, to try to adapt or as if they, it's just, oh, I can't stand it. And it's like, like, yeah. And there, and it's like, well, you know, I have a black friend. They, absolutely. They, they let me say it. And it's like. Absolutely. And they said, what else is this? I've heard also that same podcast. It was Amanda Seals podcast, Small Doses. And she had this professor up there who was pre pretty great. And one of the other things he was saying was like, in every uprising, every single one of those, like unionized, all these different things around the world, um, from slavery on, mm -hmm. you know, every uprising and, and everything has uh, basically a Judas in there. It's always somebody like that they handpicked to try mm -hmm. to bring it all down. The Uncle Tom, the of person course, was like, yeah. well, we got it good. Why are you messing up stuff? Why are you messing with everything? And the crazy thing is they wouldn't have what they had if it wasn't for the people who fought to get them that. Mm -hmm. So like if everybody agreed with, well, we're good. We're good. Why we got to fight? We're good. Like it's not. It, what it is is just some Negroes, you know, who just get on and don't know how to get up out of there. And it's that what it is just some ignorant folk and it's that and third. It's not all of us. Everybody else is fine. If we just assimilate, we just figure this out. And hmm. the end of the day is like we would never be as far as we are now if we listened and everybody agreed with those folk. So if we continue to fight, we at least have some hope to get better because we do see that. Even though they keep going back and regrouping, then we have to keep going back and regrouping. Mm-hmm and fight even more. And that was the only thing that gave me hope. Cause I'm telling you, I was on the defeatist mindset of, you know what, for a minute, because it's just exhausting and you don't see solutions thrown at you every day, just no. more and more problems. No, so that was no. one of the first things that had me like, you're right, there we go. There is a reason to keep fighting because if not, this is what we have to settle with. We have to force them to, you want to find another way to the system? Go ahead, you figure that out. Because we're destroying this one. And we're going to destroy mm -hmm. the next one. We're going to destroy the next one. So it's quite a bit. And yes, having him dance for it. What I just found out about the term cakewalk and take the cake, uh, take the cake 
originated in slavery? Oh. Of I mean, basically they slaves dance, kind of like Cassius Green, <laughs> dance yeah. and all that for the cake. So it's like the slaves had to make the cake, but they couldn't get the cake unless they danced for their masters. And whoever won or did a certain thing by the time they stopped the music would get the cake. And that's also when you get the term, take the cake. So it's like all these different things, the little end of them. But when you were talking about how they made him dance for it and all that, I was like, Duh. yeah, all of this, all of this. And again, if you take anything from, you know, our podcast today, you know, as much as I criticize Kenya Barris, oh and, you know, there is, you know, he has. Esther, if you don't get out my brain, the day going show like, he created on Netflix where every episode was called because it's like. Savory. And because it's right. It's like, as you, as you, like, you know, as I've, you know, learned more about like this country, you're like, oh, why is this thing this way? <laughs> Either, you know, slavery and whatever happened after slavery. <laughs> you know? Why, you know, like, like why are like why are waiters and servers not pay, not paid an hourly wage? Slavery. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why are Coca why is Coca-Cola, you know, the number one drink in the world and not Pepsi? You know, Jim Crow. <laughs> As you learn more about things, you're like, yes. It's just, again, that's why we keep saying systemic, you know, racism. Because systemic it's not racism. Because the thing is, like, you know, I'll, I'll kind of put a gander out there and check me if I'm wrong, fellow Black people. But, like, a lot of the times, like, you know, like, individual racism, we're, we expect it. It's like, whatever, you know? But it's 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 a systemic racism that That's makes you feel hopeless. But just that like literally, crushing. like how this this rabbit hole goes so deep, we can't even have this thing. <laughs> this film, and that is this film. That is what this impact of this film was. Had to skip a whole question because the impact was just so heavy. <laughs> we had to discuss it. Go back to protagonist and antagonist. <laughs> Um, did the climax deliver? And do you consider who do you consider to be the protagonist antagonist? I think it's pretty clear we be free, <laughs> right? And Harmy Harmer's um uh, sort of you know character. Oh, and kind of a little a little just like aside, it really not irks me, but just like I I feel a certain way. When you have actors, mm -hmm. and I'm like, and 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 in a piece, and you're like, I don't think you're acting. I think this is who you are. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, like how long how was you I are on a day to day, and this was this was Harmy Amor for me uh, in this film. I'm like, oh. this is who you are. Your pedigree, <laughs> like where you come from, what we eventually learned about you now. <laughs> like this is who you are. <laughs> Oh my God. It's like, it's like I'm just saying, like you know, Lakeith and Tessa um, are like acting their hearts out. You know, they are giving you, you know, the chops, and you have Harmy who just like, okay, you want me to say these things and just like make black people just feel horrible about themselves? Yeah, 
yeah. It's like, was it didn't didn't am I wrong? Did Benedict come Cumberbatch? Did he do a movie where he was a slave owner at one point? Why do I feel like he did? Yeah, Twelve Years a Slave. I believe okay. so. I thought he was so. in that movie. Yeah, and it was like I love him because of Doctor Strange and other films, and like mm -hmm. you know, um, was not Moriarty Sherlock. Thank you, mm -hmm. love him. But it was like when everybody found out his family <laughs> owned all these slaves, and that's where all their riches and wealth came from, which is why they wanted him to change his name when he became an actor, mm -hmm. so it wouldn't get back to them. It was like you better not take not one more slave on the job. Not bad, not take one more role, sir. Mm -hmm. that, that it was like the ancestors came through you. It was like, yes, take your rightful place. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's not even acting. It's not even cosplaying. It's like it's like this is this is who you are. Like <laughs> it did. It felt like they just hired this crazy CEO to do some stuff. It really, really did. He, if this is not Bezos, <laughs> this is not like. So I mean, you do know that, like, he, like, Harmy, Har, Har, Army Hammer is from, like, the Harmer, like, fortune. Shocked? Not at all. No, you didn't. I thought you knew. I thought, it, like, it was I known. I did not know. Like, the people who built Hammers? Yes, Harmer and Strong, Harmer and, yeah, but there, there's a whole, like, uh, yeah, he is from the... Yeah, like the 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 harmer in 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 and like that company, the baking soda company. Oh my gosh! Really? Yeah. Arm and Hammer. Arm and Arm. Yeah. Arm and Hammer. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did you not know? I did not know. That's why I said it. That's why right. he was made for this role. You absolutely yeah. correct. You can't you can't teach that level of wealth, that level of effort. No. Exactly. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I thought I muted myself. I have a teenager and a toddler, and they seem like they're fighting to the death. I'm sure they're okay, though. Um, Yeah, no. All right, back to the film. I'm sorry. So yeah, they did put it out there to see, like, if Cassius could be considered an antagonist at one point, but we all really knew he was just a spoke in the wheel. Like we all knew he was literally just, you know, well, I would, would be any I, of us, you know, we given this opportunity to bring us and ours up. Well, for me, like, I don't, not that I don't have a problem with Cassius, right? Because he's, mm -hmm. he's, he's, he's the everyday man, right? He's yeah. supposed to represent us all. So I, I get that. But I, I think for me, like, as we're talking about those token black people, for the most part, black men, and mm -hmm. black women. Mr. X for me is like mm -hmm. prime antagonist. Oh, because, because he knows he knows enough about what's going on mm -hmm. that like if he if he cared, he could have like done something. He could have at least told him, hey, don't drink this shit. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. But like he is all about himself. He is mm -hmm. all about he okay, is prime Uncle Tom. He positioning is himself as close to whiteness as possible. What's old boy name from Boondocks? Um, uh, the Uncle Ruckus. Uncle Ruckus. 
And y'all see the Tom, y'all see the Uncle Toms everywhere. The Uncle Ruckus, the um, Sam, well, who else Samuel Jackson played and what was that, Django? Like you, you can see <laughs> Uncle Toms, Mr. X and this. Absolutely. Absolutely. They had one in the movie Life. Like it's always, they're always there because that's how to keep everybody else in line. And it's also mm -hmm. how to keep everybody else hopeful. Just like the lottery, just like the people they let, you know, rise to the top or get out in sports, all the handpicked folks, all the people who mm -hmm. are allowed to make a certain amount help us to feel like, mm -hmm. well, anybody can do it if enough people are up there. And the fact is the percentage, when you look at everybody who don't got to the very, very small bit who do, it's like- Can I share something as you were talking about sports? Because this was one of the most brilliant piece of like just insightful comedy that I ever saw. And it was from the daily show when Jon Stewart was still like running it. Mm -hmm. And then did a piece, like, you know, a little bit about, you know, professional sports. And the whole bit was how, like, you know, professional sports is just, like, slavery, but reimagined. Mm -hmm. And they had this, like, white reporter and this, like, black reporter kind of, like, you know, discussing it. And, like, the, the white reporter is like, oh, yeah, it's just slavery again. And, what, and the black reporter was like, no, 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 like, what are you talking about? Like, they get to, like, you know, do all this stuff and, you know, get money. And he's like, uh uh the owners control where you live the owners control how much money you get the owners control like you know just the fact that, like you know you basically put your body on the line you know all of these things are controlled not by the players but by the owners and like just the uh, power again like the systemic powers at large because right like if the team decides to move from like i don't know you know like la to oklahoma you're going um, you know, unless like you wow. get out, but like they can trade you, right? Like a like a trading block, they can trade you. Your value moves up and down based on again like how much value they see in you. Like you you get like you know cap at a certain age, you know, and like they want more of you from like your kids and whatever, right? Like, and I was just like, okay, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't. Right, because they leave you out there when you're useless, when you're too old to do everything. Then it's like, ah, you're out of here. Ava DuVernay and Kaepernick kind of made this comparison in their films or and show about the sports being so similar to slavery and the auction block. But I think John Stewart took it to a whole nother level with that one. Mm -hmm. No, like when he started talking about like in the like no, wow. he just like move you right from like. Team to team, or like plantation to plantation, and trained and you. Like okay, like I never thought of it that way before. For millions of dollars, like you know, it was specifically about like um football, but like I think it applies to like just any major, you know. Yeah, no, that is, they they did that on purpose. <laughs> they made sure they they worded it so it can apply to the mm -hmm. major all the sports. <laughs> That is mind-blowingly depressing. You're absolutely correct. And they didn't even have the gall to change the name to from owners. <laughs> like They're like, we're going to keep that. We'll change yeah. slaves to athletes. Yeah. We're, we're definitely going to keep the owners bit. We need them to know mm -hmm. what it is. Wow. This episode got dark. But for sure, y'all, yeah. this movie was dark. What <laughs> highlight, highlight, highlight is the cinematography. That was great. Cinematography was great. 
the way they changed the little garage and the little the big TV, big butt TV to flat screen and stuff. It was wonderful set of photography. And like uh, Detroit's um, wardrobe was like, oh my god, I I her I was wardrobe to get her style. Her style I did not like, at all though get the freaking art, the art exhibition. Okay, so. From my understanding, because like you know, you know me, like after I watched it, so like I went into a deep dive, like reading. I, I was about to, but this life, because you know, I didn't have the time the way you had the time, because it was all I had to get it all done today. Life, but... life, yeah. Go ahead, um, please and break it down was, for me. And from what I remember, just the fact that, like, again, right, like because up until we really see her art, right, like Detroit is positioned as like the 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 opposite of Cassius, right? Like she. Supposedly, like, remains true to herself. She remains true to the man. her art. She, like, remains, like, just a staunch, like, you know, Black feminist, you like, you know, just, like, pro-union, all of this stuff. But her art is still geared toward the white gaze because, right, like, her thing was, like, I'm going to completely undress myself of everything, right? Because mm -hmm. up until this point, like, she was always, like, you know, just has, like, her her um earrings gets like get bigger and bigger with like just like more just staunch revolutionary um shocking words. like shocking words like just everything about her got bigger and louder and just more like in your face and then in her art she completely removed all of that right Ooh. and she welcomed people to come in and like just do whatever they want to her and it's it is there is a real world parallel to that there is this like very famous um god what are they called um god I, i'm blinking on like the, the the kind of artists that they are um it's not new age but like you know those kind of like um artists like that they 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 like they are part of the art, like the art is the participation between the artist and the mm -hmm. audience. Mm -hmm. Um, so in her installation piece, right, she was like, I'm going to recite this thing and continue to recite this thing as you are welcome to come and like just do whatever you want to do to me via like, you know, a knife and whatever. Um and well, it was it was throw empty bullet um cases at her or cell phones or balloons full of sheep's blood yeah so basically it's like just like again like kind of and, and again it's because this movie is like just oh so deep because it's supposed again and, and so she's supposed to be like an opposition to cashes but also her art is supposed to be in opposition to the you know um that real reality show that everybody you know watches right mm. but in a way, she's just another like another side of the same coin of consumerism, because just because you make it pretty and 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 you wrap it in like you know revolutionary rhetoric, right? People are still throwing shit at you. People are like people are are still there and getting a laugh and getting a rise out of seeing somebody else's being hurt. You know. Mm -hmm. um and 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 again it's this like thing of like how much like yeah like it's, it's it's about like you know free will and like how much is art just like 
I mean, yes, it's art, right? Because it it, it elicits a response from you, a very strong response from you, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but to what cost? And for what purpose? And and again, like when the when the art or the artist is at risk in, in some way, shape or form, right? Is it still worth it? Is it still, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So- <laughs> I was just like, what the heck is happening here? Yeah. And but I yeah. felt like, dang it, yet again, something else I'm gonna have to really look into and, and study and practice or just be like, that was crazy and walk away. <laughs> And again, I feel like all this time that we've been talking, right, we've yet to really talk about like what was the climax, climax of this movie, which is now, the fact the, that, that we be free, like their next like level of product is turning their workers into literal like uh, workhorses. Called you the know, equestrian race or something. Yes. And 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 like taking away, literally taking away your humanity, turning you into like an animal whose sole sort of like purpose and, and ability is to work until you die. But hey, you get like a big penis. <laughs> and it's like again, like why this movie is like such a mind bend, <laughs> right? Because it, like it's like there's like that comedic element to it because right it's like when you know Cassius was still kind of like freaking out of like when after he like he he went to the party he had a moment with like um Hammy Harmer's uh character and he drinks this drink and basically he's unsure from like the the third act of the film like is he did he actually drink the thing that would turn him into like you know an equi- uh, equestrian or not and his and his whole like worry was oh my gosh is my penis like changing versus the most obvious thing it's like wouldn't your face change wouldn't your body you know not just your penis but like that was his focus that was like yeah. his main like the only thing he could think about <laughs> oh and he does eventually turn into one, but like <laughs> that part. Why did it take so long? So many just all right. This one, this is what I'm gonna say. I got it. I got the workhorses bit. To be honest, I didn't understand why the heck it was horses until <laughs> until our girl came out and put her art out there with oh boy f in the horse art installation and i was like oh yeah workhorses no that is literal that makes sense yeah i got the workhorses much more than i got her art exhibitions show mm-hmm. okay however i was still very much wtf like what am i seeing what mm-hmm. is happening the climax was so outlandish and shocking that I never got off the cliff. You know what I mean? Usually from a climax <laughs> in the film, yeah. it takes you up the hill and then, you know, something comes down, either resolution or something. <laughs> and I went up that hill and stood at the top looking around like, what am I looking at right now? 
Because I think like the also again, oh it's like this everything just was like what this movie and it's like mind bent, right? Because like kind of up until you you have the equestrian like fighting right in the street, um, like in the way that is presented to you is that like you know they're not like they're they're kind of mindless. They're not really like you know all there, right? Like mentally, and and I mean mentally in terms of like being human. And then when like Cassius and all of them are, are fighting alongside them, and he's like trying to like talk to them very slowly, and the and like Forrest Whitaker's voice come out. That was Forrest Whitaker's voice. Yeah, it's like what the fuck, man. <laughs> It's just, it was so outlandish. And part of me was pissed off at Cassius because, like, I think his girl said it at one point. You was going to go along with this for as long as you was going to go along with it. It wasn't until the freak show of they're turning us into horses that made you like, this is all wrong. Sir, it's been wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's been wrong for much longer than that drug that turned folks into horses. And then them doing the, then then it was very much a don't look up moment from the Netflix film when he get, he exposes it. Cause I was sure after right, he went on that like, show. Oh, for sure. This is going to be the thing that like is the climax. Not it's even that. I was sure that they wasn't going to show the, the clip. I was sure people wasn't going to believe it. Cause today's yeah. age with special effects. I was sure of all that. What ends up happening though, with them seeing the film and then the stocks go up. And everyone's excited about this wonderful new invention of turning people into workhorses. And obviously it ain't fixed nothing. It was just like, this some don't look up ish. Yeah. Like there's literally facts that shows the, the atrocities and horrors that are happening. And everybody's like, but money though. <laughs> and again, this is why it's such a hopeless life break because this is what's happening. Like, so, you know, I, I invest and companies stock, but whatever. And during like, you know, the 2020 pandemic, like, you know, things were crazy, right? People were dying and like my portfolio shoot up. And I'm just like, how, like, and when there's like good news about, oh, like unemployment is going down, things go down, like literally stock prices go down. And you're like, how, like, how is this, can you, can you tell me what is this, right? Like, we are at war. Again, companies' prices shoot up. People are doing better. We have a vaccine. And, and it's just like, I'm like, it's just, this is just gambling, but like legal, you know, government-sanctioned gambling. That's all, like, for me at least, like, what the stock market is. Because it's all vibes. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. all just vibes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Just, uh, well, I think we've talked about the climax now. Yeah. The insanity so, of it all. But with that, what was your popcorn moment? Oh. It's supposed to be my light at the end of this tunnel. This dark, dark tunnel. <laughs> uh... Jeez, what light was in this film? <laughs> like just, yeah, right? <laughs> usually we use a popcorn moment to bring some type of levity. <laughs> and as much as silliness as the show had, 
There was no real levity. It was just all dark. She let me think. And especially for it to be so bright, as Esther pointed out, which is true. Uh, I will say. Oh. oh, nope. That was different. That was weird. I will say. <laughs> I guess it has to be anything which. I would say, I would have to just say anything with Emma and then I suppose Emma Thompson, right? That's her name. Is that my girl? Or is that a oh, different Tessa? Is, that a, Tessa is that a white girl? Tessa Thompson. Sorry, Emma Thompson, yeah. I think, is a white actress. I apologize. Anything with Tessa. Tessa was the only light bright in this whole. She was the only bright light in this whole to me. Um, let's go with her. I don't I feel like I will give kudos to uh Stephen Yoon's character. Because even for him, even him to me was like because uh, it was just like all serious unionized stuff or just trying to steal Tessa Thompson from old boy. It was like he was so serious, even though his I mean, name was what that's sort of like the most light character is probably Dremin Fowler. Right, like the friend. friend. Yeah, the friend, the friend put it out on the same day as him, but like you know, didn't have as much success. Mm -hmm. Because he's All like, right. I guess I'll be generic. I'll say the because I've seen the this cut of this film so many times, <laughs> but that doesn't take away from its silliness. The scene in which he's about to cross the picket line and confronts his boy Jeremy, or whatever his name is in the film. Mm -hmm. And they have basically an argument or like a tit, a, a tit for tat off <laughs> when they are showing aggression through compliments. Yeah. That was probably the thing. Right? Yeah. Have a nice day. Oh, I hope you have a better week. I hope you have. Just like, <laughs> what's that? You smell good. What's that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You keep looking good, my brother. Trying to be like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just the aggression. And it would have gone on. You could tell it would have yeah. just gone on. I wouldn't be shocked if that whole part was improv. It would have just gone on for some time. But it was a very, it doesn't take away from the quality of that shot. I'll make that the popcorn moment for me. Yes. Uh, yes. And again, I would say like, it, it kind of does dive very well into your rating slash rewind the tape section, um, which is, you know, is this film worth rewinding the tape for? What is your rating from like, you know, extra small popcorn to the extra large cup uh, or bucket. I will say that like in terms of acting, directing, writing, this film is top notch. Like like we like it's it's a given, I feel like, right? Because it's just the the, the performance that these people gave. Yeah. And like <laughs> wait, I want us to try something before okay. you do that. I want us to do like a one, two, three, and then yell out what we think it is. I just want to okay. be interested in say, and okay. then I want you to keep talking about you talking. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Did you want to finish talking first and then let me know? No, no, I, I'm I'm kind of done. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt, but I was just like, I just I'm just interested to make sure neither one of us is influencing the. <laughs> okay, ready? Yeah. One, two, three. Large. Large. <laughs> <laughs> I would say the reason why it's not 
large. It had nothing to do with the film. It's like the the theme is just so depressing and so real that I'm like, this is like I've watched this film. I do not want to watch it again. <laughs> like, bro, there are some films that's like happy. I I experienced that, and now never again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like the depressingness of it all. Like for so me, like this film is akin to Get Out. Like where again, it's like I am so glad that I witnessed Get Out. But yes, yes, but I, it's not I, something I, I want to turn on every. Uh. Uh-uh. Get Out, I think, was like the catalyst to a lot of these films and filmmakers. I don't think he was the start of it. I'm sure Boots and all these different filmmakers mm-hmm. already had their own ideas and mindsets and. Yeah. ways they wanted to go in that kind of similar vein of we're going to share with you the truth behind you know these rich oppressive figures and mm-hmm. what they're doing behind everyone's backs or in front of everyone's eyes um but I feel like Jordan Peele's film and success of Get Out helped a lot of these films to be greenlit paid for greenlit put into place mm-hmm. for for our eyes and all of them are haunting in their own ways, and they're not yep. wrong, which no. is crazy. <laughs> That's why they're so haunting. They're not wrong. Outlandish, um, unpredictable, all this, but at the same time, predictable. It's mm-hmm. all so abnormal and almost fantastical in how they decide to display the level of horror and haunted <laughs> acts of all of this, mm-hmm. but none of them are wrong. Even with all of these things, even with them being labeled as fiction, they very much are not. Mm -hmm. This freaking film. We keep finding them, don't we? (sighs) (laughs) That's why we we do what we do, right? Because, again, like, I mean, yes, you have your get out, which, you know, again, are the exception, but rarely are, you know, these films like blockbusters. But in terms of just quality, it's just top notch. Seriously. Seriously. Woo. So yeah. Um, y'all, that's 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 our popcorn episode for today. <laughs> um, I think it's more than enough, to be honest. It's, it's quite a lot. It's quite a lot going on. Oh, I forgot about debauchery. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Diane, Diana Debauchery. Oh, what she call it? D. Bokery or do Bokery? He's like that looked like debauchery. She's like, no, no, it's not. you're right. He was a highlight of the film. Um, so thank y'all, thank y'all for listening. Um, that's all, folks. Thank you for listening to our review today. We uh, this is the Why You Were Scrolling podcast on Spotify. We got a website, whyyouwerescrolling.com. Remember to follow us, review us, and support us on all our podcast platforms. Get on Spotify and take a moment to answer our weekly polls and share this podcast far and wide. We actually did get some responses. Just want to put this little insight from some of you listeners. We're just like, oh my gosh, we're not alone out here just talking into the ether. Thank you. Um, I will be exposing your responses. And our next group episode, we have all the ladies here from the While You Were Scrolling podcast. But until next time, we will see you in the credits. Bye. Bye-bye.